Welcome to The Capital View, where business, economic, political, and human capital intersect. Don't try to bleed me, cause I've been there before and I deserve a little more. I belong in the service of the Queen. Welcome to episode four of The Capital View. Today I'm thrilled to be joined by Bobby Houck and Hank Futch, the frontman and founders of the Blue Dogs Band. For over 30 years, Bobby and Hank have been rocking the low country with their alternative southern tunes as their unique songs have been downloaded by fans all over the world. This October, I had the pleasure of having Hank and Bobby play at our WorkCap Golf Fundraiser and I asked them to sit down for this podcast shortly thereafter. I've been listening and admiring the Blue Dogs since my time at the College of Charleston, and these days I find myself trying to mimic their style in my own music. This is my first crack at interviewing a few rock stars on the Capitol View, but don't worry, I didn't let them off too easy. So sit back, grab your cup of joe, and enjoy. Get back to your <laughs> Yeah. Um, but um, no, but you guys do. I think you did. I know you did a Facebook. Uh, yeah, concert. we've done some of those Facebook Live things that are just you know catching people and you're where they already are. You know, yeah. not a. We haven't really done a ticketed event or something that you know like a expressed money making venture or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um. So, but we're going to do that with this show that we have coming up. Yeah. I think what you might have been referring to is. We're playing, uh, we just announced today that we're going to do our Charleston Music Hall show this year, which is our eighth annual, um, and we were debating about it, you know, because it's right. Charleston Music Hall. You can have 250 people there, but we've done it as a as a fundraiser with sponsors and, you know, VIP treatment and all that, and we can't do any of that stuff, so, but we decided to go ahead and do it, and we... We threw a high ticket price on it, thinking, okay, we'll donate some money out of the ticket sales, but it's a $100 ticket, and so we'll see what people, I how people take that. I was talking to uh, a friend of ours who said, um, can I buy all 250 of them? And I laughed out loud <laughs> this morning. I laughed because he was, for one, he's serious, because I know he was John Snow. Oh, John, yeah. <laughs> Um, but even right. like, but I've also had like fraternity brothers saying, you know, I want to buy the first couple. Of, I, I, I seriously think it'll sell out within the next week. You do? Too. Yeah. Even I mean, at hundred, even at hundred bucks. I mean, we saw. Last year's pricing. I don't remember. Well, you know, the VIP was one hundred and twenty-five, yeah. and then and then there's right. another tier like sixty, and then forty, and then thirty. I think forty-five, thirty-five. Yeah. But you know, just but everybody really, we, we always sold out of the VIP, right? So the VIP years. got a, a pre show reception <clears throat> and the best seats and all that stuff. We can't do any of that stuff, yeah. So now it's just a hundred bucks just to come on. I think we'll be Well, now we are gonna, we are gonna take, we're gonna, we're gonna take our money, we're gonna, you know, pay, pay the expenses and pay the band and all that stuff, and then we're gonna make a donation and we're gonna, we're gonna do a virtual, it, it hasn't been announced yet, but we're gonna do a virtual. As well, nice. we're gonna sell a ticket to that. So we're gonna, you know, we'll have some money coming in through that, and we'll, um, 
and then we'll be asking for donations on that um, on the virtual and um, then it's just a matter we, we talked to some I don't know what we're going to do about sponsors we yeah. kind of left it out there like we were going to if you wanted the previous sponsors wanted to do it again mm-hmm. they could make a donation directly to MUSC yeah yeah I mean that's they can do that or they can yeah they can give what's the reaction because I know last year when I went you had 25 artists on the stage at one point like, yeah <laughs> what I think will happen a lot of these I was gonna say I loved it I yeah I mean from like are they gonna be able to come in I know you had Allison come and you had like I mean yes oh god yeah. yeah that was yeah that was I, we're, we're not gonna have any really gave you yeah. bad that yeah I don't think just show up for this you guys in this Charleston or just connections or yeah the difference this year also is is that they they require that they're saying only a 90 minute set no intermission so yeah. I don't think we're gonna have special guests this year except for I mean I know we'll have some people in town and um, they're you know Hank's dad and, and uh, there's some other local bands that we could possibly do, but you know what? People, it's funny. If there's one bit of uh, constructive criticism, speaking of which, that people have said is, you know, we'd love those special guests and everything, but I want to hear the Blue Dogs. Yeah. And um, that's the only real thing that people have said. So this would be, this will be Blue Dogs. So. Well, on that note, Give me the, so I have to say, frankly, I mean, I, I, this is a big, this is a minor milestone in my life. I don't know if you guys are too much. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't need much. Oh, man, you wouldn't know how to act. But yeah. I've been listening for, gosh, I mean, I went to the college Charleston guy in 97, and I mean, I just found y'all's music somewhere in the 90, you know, late 90s, 2000, somewhere in that arena. And I was in D.C., but I could catch your stuff up there. And yeah, we sure, played up there a lot. That Dock Street Theater event was a big one. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, you know, just being able to talk to you guys and learn a little bit about music is, is, is amazing. And, and it's funny that I, I wanted to know, and I guess everybody listens to us, like, where did this, where did this, what's the genesis of you guys? I mean, really, where did you meet and how did this come together? And were you independent musicians or did you learn well, together? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it came pretty easy for me because my dad played music and my brother played. And so we had a little family band. Um, and, you know, we we would play, you know, all the Christmas parties. And at the Christmas party was Bobby out. Yeah, so yeah. Really, really, you know, from, you know, the high school, you know, early high school years, we were playing together at least once a year, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we grew up and we grew up in Florence. Yeah. So that, that, was in Florence. that was in Florence. So, yeah, we actually yeah. are both from Florence. And um, it's true. The, the Wilcoxes had a Christmas party on Christmas Day. And they always invited the Futches to play. Miss Tunks. And Hank, here was little Hank playing the bass, and I would come hang out. But um, but actually, actually, I really, before that even, though, we were in the same Cub Scout group one year when we were eight years old. So we knew each other from then. And then here's like high school or middle school, and here's Hank playing the bass at the Wilcox's party with his dad. And then... About 10th grade, 11th grade, I started learning how to play guitar, and I came home for Christmas that year and, and you know, sat in with them in the back, you know, trying to trying to sit in and play a little bit. So, so really... One of, I just got to say, one yeah. of my dad, Papa Fudge's favorite stories is... Uh, 
trying to tell Bobby over the phone how to tune his, he just got a guitar. Taught me how to tune a guitar over the phone. <laughs> it's true. They <laughs> literally did. And that wasn't a cordless phone. How do that I do was that? A I know. Cord out I got, I, yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? Now, which one are you turning? <laughs> and that was one of those dial phones. Right? Yes, yeah, right. yeah. That's right. With the long cord. Lucky, long, no, I remember. I remember. I was in the dining room. I remember exactly where I was. I, I was. On that big long phone. I remember where Daddy was. He was down. The yeah. So, so your father was a musician, yep. and, and he taught you. Because I, my son JB, I, you know, I learned playing guitar up in the cold winters of DC, just online. You know, right. I just got yeah. a Fender, and I was like, I like this Jackson Brown song, and I'm going to figure out how to play it. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So I did not. I mean, I knew a little violin, but man, I didn't know any of that stuff at that stage. I just learned. You know, e minor G, the chords, I'll mm-hmm. figure out some strum pattern and enjoy it. Right. Um, and now I have a six year old and he takes a couple lessons with your music. Oh, with Scotty? Oh, yeah. awesome. Hook with Scotty. Scotty yeah. great. But was, did you learn music from your dad in like a classical format and that's how it just well, generationally went with you? Yeah, well, it, I mean, we were, we were exposed to it. Dad was always playing bluegrass, gospel, old classic country songs from. As far as I can remember, you know, he was always playing something. Um, but it really wasn't, you know, I guess until, you know, the, I guess the junior high days that we started playing bluegrass, you know. Okay. Uh, my brother and I, uh, I played the bass, my brother played guitar, and we had a friend play banjo, uh, Will Morris, the late Will Morris. And, um, and Dad came home one day and heard, you know, Foggy Mountain Breakdown or something, you know, coming nice. out of the basement. Yeah. We thought there was a record player, and then we were down there, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> down there, you know, just playing it just as fast as we could, you know, just stumbling over every chord, I'm sure. But that's, but it was, it, it, what a blessing, you know, to be able to grow up with, with the dad and just live with a family that just loved music. And well, that's helpful. Yeah. And you had, and your family was sort of musically gifted? Or? Not, well, my mom had mm-hmm. played piano, and we had a piano growing up. And, you know, we were always, I guess you would say, we listened to a lot of music. My my sister, you know, I was, I've always said that my sister was an influence because she was the oldest, and she drove the car. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when I was in seventh grade, she was a senior in high school. So you can imagine like sixth grade, seventh grade. Yeah. We're listening and in, in nineteen seventy eight, seventy seven, so Neil Young, James Taylor, Jackson Brown, all the stuff you're talking about, Jimmy Buffett. So all that stuff is stuff that I knew just because I rode to school and listened to it and listened to it. And I think I had a I do think I had a good uh, I had a, a kind of a weird uh, musical memory that I could that I absorbed a lot of songs. Hank's got the same thing. He's he can he Hank quotes songs all the time that I've never even heard him sing. Do you absorb it lyrically or with? I uh, think I just have the whole thing. Like when I heard, when I would hear it, when I would hear it, yeah, when I would hear it, like I I can remember being where it really came to light was when I went off to prep school in tenth grade, and all of a sudden now you're on the dorm with all these guys, and everybody's got a stereo, and music's coming out of everybody's room, and so you're all of a sudden you're like. I know that song yeah. and I'm singing it, you know? And then as I started learning how to play guitar, you know, I'm playing Neil Young. I'm looking at the book, you know, with the chords, I'm listening to it and I already know it. I know what sounds right. Cause I've, I know it. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. You know what I mean? It's just hard to, hard to say it any way other than that. I just kind of knew it from listening. In fact, on, on, because we had eight tracks, 
I can remember the part in the song where that where the track. You know how sometimes a song would get to the end of the track yeah, right. and it would fade out and click and click back in. I, I remember on <laughs> Jackson <laughs> Brown. No, Jackson Brown. I can remember it going. Click. <laughs> I can't hear you tell it. <laughs> just, just kind of weird stuff like that. Um, well, when you transition from, and I, me being a very you know novice musician, if I will, um, when do you, when is that stage where you transition from playing everybody else's to figuring out to write your own song, putting notes to it, you know, add that's a. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta, is that just that's another natural? drive. It's a whole yeah, other it's drive. It's a drive. And we, and we, and we kind of avoided it. We, <laughs> yeah. we avoided it we, for a long we time. We had the drive. You know, we've had it. Uh, we, well, we had it's people, still there. Well, we, we just need to kind of wake it up. One of our original members, Buck Bradbury, was had the drive. He he was writing like, like when we were at the beginning of the Blue Dogs, me and Hank and Buck, and we were doing cover. Like our bread and butter was cover songs. But Buck had written some songs, and he kept, he would do it, and he would, you know, there was an opportunity to do it there, but somehow it didn't it didn't catch for me, or I don't think it caught for Hank, and Buck would just keep kind of churning out a little bit of stuff, not not a lot, just a few songs, and then when we moved back to South Carolina from Virginia, and Philip Lammons, his old roommate, joined, he already had a couple of original songs, and he was kind of messing around with it. But again, Hank and I were focused on the business, playing the gigs, mm-hmm. making people happy, learning new covers, you know what I mean? Like jamming. Was that, so this must have been, y'all were fresh out of school at that stage? Some yeah, in the beginning was fresh out of school and then by the time Philip joined, you know, and then and then what happened is we got through, because of Hootie and the Blowfish and Dave Matthews band between 93 and 95, they blew up and, uh, that's when in 96, we decided to go full time. And so we literally, we, as soon as we all got together, we booked a place and went and sat and just wrote and sat at it, went to a house and wrote for like two weeks and, you know, went to a chicken farm and some studio on a chicken farm and, you know, you know di- yeah, di- yeah, chicken shit. I can smell it now. Yeah. You know, like that was our first like real demo. And then, and then the next thing, you know, we're uh, we're going to DC and we're recording record there, but yeah, it was, it was like that set up kind of a pattern where it's almost like when you had to write your English paper in college and you just waited until the last minute. Yeah, that's kind of been our pattern. Is like when we force <laughs> ourselves, we force ourselves to do it. It's more Take like Ridley's procrastinating <laughs> to the nth degree. You know, it's just more like, <laughs> like my Latin exam, man. I never loved Ridley. Uh, yeah, Latin yeah. <laughs> but it, but the, but the, I guess the lesson there is you got to schedule it. You know, yeah, you got to yeah. schedule it. At some point, and you got to you got to schedule it, and that could be like with somebody it. who writes, they they schedule it. It's a part of their life like their schedule you know they put it on the well you know what it's funny you say that because i i sit and reflect a lot of time and i have some time alone and you know i would say 95 98 percent of people that i've interviewed on this podcast or you know done, done a lot of business with it's initiative it's determined it's like the actual it's it, they do not procrastinate they just do it they just yeah. get it done yeah, yeah. The, 
you know, ninety eight percent of the world doesn't, and two does, and the two those two percent yeah. dictate the law of the rest of the world. Yeah. But it yeah. is like, and I find myself doing it. Too. I'm like, I, I gotta get this damn podcast together. I gotta go right. buy some equipment today to get this podcast. Right. 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 I'm gonna do it. Well, yeah. Not gonna happen, but it's yeah. a big deal because I think there's so many people that just are the opposite ilk, and either they're afraid or they're you know, blame the world. It's, yeah. You know, the world did it to me. It's not my yeah. fault. Or, that, you know, or it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And I have to work at it. Yeah. It might not be any good. <laughs> well, with music, it's funny because, so you guys never had any, uh, were you guys ever shy or like embarrassed and stay? Was it just natural to jump on in front of people? And it wasn't, wasn't natural. No, I mean, it, it, it took a, took a little while, even early on, but I was, we were, Awkward teenage, you know, awkward. I'd say early teens when my brother yeah. and I were playing. Yeah. My dad was saying, "Y'all got to sing too." Like, so we're trying to play and learn how to sing, and our voices are changing, and <laughs> you know, it's just so, so. So there was a time there, but now I think she, we're, you know, we're we're hungry for it. You yeah. know, we, we, we want to do it. You well, know. Now, and you started with the bass. Like, why? That's an unusual. Uh, Initiation, initial right, right, right. Well, it kind of goes back to kind of how it, like, while Dad was playing, you know, all these bluegrass and, and country songs, I we were also in the orchestra, so we were playing, you know, Mozart and all that stuff. So I'm classically trained, so I played, you know, I was in, uh, you know, the school system. I guess up until my junior year, and I and I switched high schools. That's yeah. when Bobby and I went to high school together. Yeah, for a year, yeah, for a period. Mind. And uh, and and so anyway, but I had that, and I was you know played Florence Symphony for a brief period, played on a couple of musicals, you know like Sweet Charity, Brigadoon, nice. stuff like that at the Florence <laughs> Little Theater, which is where we did a show, yeah. whatever twenty yeah. years later. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's uh, you know it's just. Uh, Do you think you learned how to play the bass because your dad? was like the front man. I mean, he's kind of like, you know I mean, as you're a kid, yeah. I mean, was it sort of, did he ever say, you know, well, you play the bass, then we can play together. Yeah. Like, it was kind of no, like a way it was to, like I, I played the violin first, and I sucked at playing the violin. And so so I the played the bass, and that, that's, that was just a decision in school that I, like, played the bass, and then obviously we were going to bluegrass festivals at that time, and I yeah. saw the stand-up bass players up there playing the songs that my daddy sang, yeah. and like, that's what I want to do. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's hard. It's, I'm surprised to hear him say that he was ever uh, awkward for him because he's <laughs> always been such a natural, like just in, you've been in a room with him. Yeah. I mean, just, just being in a room. And I mean, in high school, you know, I was definitely the shy one. You know, I mean, I was a drummer. I mean, I was a drummer. Not, 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 not socially necessarily, but musically. And I was a drummer, but when I started playing guitar, I definitely was like, you know, kind of, and then, and Hank would, you know, meanwhile, Hank's like, come on, y'all, let's, let's get it, let's get it one time, come on in here, start singing, singing, y'all, singing, y'all. So, I mean, I do think that's probably for me. I'll tell you guys a story, I, I don't know, no, no, not very many people know, like when I was in eighth grade, it's kind of awkward kid i was i was a big basketball guy in kentucky i grew up in kentucky and i lived in a street that was kind of far from other kids it was just me and the nearest kid was maybe a mile and a half down the road so, yeah i mean and he was a good basketball player he was three years older than me so in kentucky basketball is a big deal yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was my thing that was like how i got to meet friends and 
naturally the you know the African community, African American community was who I played a lot of ba- basketball with. Black yeah. guys were all my yeah. buddies, and we were tight, and that was my crowd. And um, and I went off to junior high. I was and uh, and I was you know a short white man. Um, yeah. And, but I had I got good at it. I got to be pretty good at the sport. Um, and and I started you know one of my friends that played basketball with this really unique voice, Tommy. Tommy was his name, and he taught me how to sing. Uh, um, you know, just a variety of different songs. And so my, for the eighth grade talent show, I sang a song with another black guy called Gently, and we won the talent show in eighth grade. Oh, first that was, awesome. that was it. That's and I awesome. sang with another guy, and it was like a very, you know, uh, yeah. uh, a very um, unique song. That, that, and, uh, and I took the 25 bucks and paid for my English book that was destroyed because I had school 25 bucks for my English book. So. Uh, but wow. I didn't, you know, I was yeah. a little out of it at that point. I was a little lost. I didn't know what to do. But I think people, my teacher, I was in an acapella choir. She was like, you got a really good voice. So I had her play the piano with us. So yeah. we had the whole oh. crowd. And I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I can do this. I mean, yeah. I can do this. But it's kind of like, you know, it was a ballsy move at the time. I mean, I've never been on stage or in front of anybody and it worked out. But um, I just wonder how that comes into people. It's, it's got to be some parental background. Somebody's got to give you that confidence. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. it's funny, though. I, uh, Tom, Tom definitely, in this case, is the biggest confidence builder. Right? Yeah. You know, just yeah. I mean, before it, you do it. What leads you to it, though? I mean, you know, it got led to it. You got led to it somehow I mean I I just always kind of had it I was always interested and I guess to play the drums you have to play with other people so I would say maybe that was part of it I, I played by myself until I went to prep school and all of a sudden yeah. who are you going to play with and there were some other guys down there and then that led to me playing and then it led to me learning guitar from playing with other people so it, kind of by nature I mean it's a social thing and uh you know, also for like young boys, the age that we're talking about, it's like John Cougar Mellencamp said, forget all about that macho shit and learn how to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's all of a sudden, you kind of like, you might be the goofy one for a minute, but you play the guitar and the girls like it. You're kind of like, okay, how about that, big boy? Neat directional mic. So y'all have a big show coming up on the twenty is the twenty ninth this year? Tuesday, 29th. December twenty ninth. And that will be your ninth version? Eighth. Eighth version. Yep. How did this show come about? Because it's kind of your staple every year, is it not? Yeah, it happened on our twenty fifth anniversary. We we never really had anything like this. And we were like, we gotta do something. So we decided to do kind of a big shebang for our twenty fifth in twenty thirteen. And we invite, that's when we're like, let's invite a bunch of people. May never do it again, you know. And um, a bunch of people came. Edwin McCain and, and Hootie and Blowfish all ended up happening to be there. Darius, you know, as a result was there. Um, Radney Foster from Nashville. It was a bunch. It was about 10 or 15 people. And it started, this, as you were saying, it seems like there's a lot of people there. But, what, uh, what is the... Charleston, I think, is unique in the aspect. Hey, it's a unique city, but and I spent a lot of time in Nashville, Tennessee, which obviously has a beautiful amount of artists. But uh, Charleston's got this you this kind of entrepreneurial music spirit that's and it seems a little bit different than other towns that I've been in. I mean, um, how, how would you guys describe? I guess 
when you talk about Edwin and Darius, and, I mean, there's some really good artists that come out of a town that's really maybe not necessarily known for music. So, yeah, it's just the atmosphere of the town that created it, or you know, yeah. I mean, Hank, Hank went to school here. I mean, it was it was a fun place. Always been a fun place. Right. I mean, downtown Charleston. You know, um, back in the day, you know, you had. Edwin playing, you know, uh, at Cafe 99, you know, across the street. I was playing at T-Bones on the other side of the street. Right, T-Bones. He would come over and sit in. I would go over, you know, Darius Rucker would walk in the door and, um, you know, uh, I, but I guess from an entrepreneurial, I think it's, you know, it was, I, I guess I see Charleston kind of as a little bit more of that home, homegrown, you know, it's it pulls from all, you know, it's a, it's a, Port city, so it pulls from many different cultures. You know, you have the Gullah culture that's here. You got, you know, bluegrass. You know, everywhere, and um, you know, so it's just kind of, and then you, you know, and then as music has progressed, you know, you get, you know, the East Americana or, or country rock. You know, Bobby and I like to say we we've been country rock and, and Americana pretty much since day one. You know, um, playing, you know, but playing. Uh, rock songs bluegrass style you know or something like well, that well that was going to be my next question is like what who do you listen to when you're cruising down like if I turned your Spotify on right now other than the Blue Dogs album, right so you yeah. would be the second artist on that <laughs> yeah I would I would I would be I would be probably looking for some bluegrass song you know or a or like a Jackson Brown you know I just love that that whole Jackson do you, Brown do you guys have artists that either inspired you when you were young or you kind of Used to for inspiration now. Absolutely. Is it those you mentioned, or is little, those little feet? Little feet was always a big band for me. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought, you know, loved to sound like Little Feet, and so I think, to a certain degree, we have done some of that. Yeah, we we sound a little bit like them, but, but you know, it's a southern southern rock too. I mean, you know, we grew up the time we grew up. Leonard Skinner was so big, and Almond Brothers was so big, and. You know, so it's, you can't, you couldn't grow up in the South and not, if you're, yeah, and you're in that, you know, you're white, white guy. And also, you know, we also got a lot of other influences. Hank's the first guy I knew that knew all the words to rappers to life. <laughs> it's true. And I mean, like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, boy. Man, yeah. I've always said this at 1975 is like a great year for music. Cause if you look back, Think about all the bands who had records in 1975, and it's just such a wide selection. There's like soul and funk going on, and you know, and, and bands like Little Feet and Leonard Skinner was just in their heyday, and you know, I mean, the Grateful Dead was you know doing this, and you know, you just had so much going on. Singer songwriters. Have you guys back evolved? in 1975? Yeah, That's what we were mention, I want to mention just just in that note. So, so one of the bands. Uh, for me personally, I think Bobby too, seldom seen. So they were they were band, uh, international bluegrass band um, from DC. So yeah. I know you used to probably see them uh, all the time. Yeah. But that, that was a band that they all had jobs, they all had their families, and they all did their thing. But then they also toured. You know, I mean, they they toured on a big scale. I mean, they toured yeah. all over the world. But they still maintained. They still kind of had their. You know their families, their jobs, and and I'm like, wow, how how, how neat is that? You can do your job and play music. I mean, that's 
that that's been the kind of we, equation. We had some interaction with yeah. them too. We got to know yeah. them and just kind of, you know, they were kind of an influence from that sense. Well, that was what I was going to lead into next is that you guys have had, you got children and you're both married and you've had very lovely, lovely families you've built. That may be different than, let's say, Keith Richards, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever the case may be. But, um, I mean, being a out late having to play music it's usually what eight to one or two and i mean that's for 25 30 years that's a that, that takes a toll yeah. on anybody um but how do you put all that together and raise some kids and be a good dad and all those things i mean that's more than i've been able to do <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i mean for me i didn't start until we really kind of slowed down you know i didn't I, I, we, we really kind of our full-time push was 96 to 06 and I got married in 08 had a child in 09 so for me personally it was the fact is I couldn't have done it before then yeah I couldn't have I couldn't have started a family and I didn't because I think because of that very reason I think because I was just dedicated to this and I didn't want anything to change that to be able to do what I wanted to do. Sounds like a lot of guys. Was it 96 <laughs> yeah. to 2006, though? Was that, y'all were full-time, only music, no other outside jobs? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. did the, I'm just speculating here, but was the evolution of the internet and how it influenced music, you got to understand that to be able to make enough money to pay to live off music. Is well, that about how it works? Well, think about that 10-year period. That, that's, that was about five years before and five years right. after. So we actually, timing-wise, you know, I mean, if we'd have, if we'd have been maybe a little smarter and we'd have jumped right on it, right when we graduated from college, we would have probably been on the same trajectory as say Hootie or Edwin or people like that. They're our, our same age, but we 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 did other jobs first and, and did it as a part-time thing for nine years before we went full-time. So then, so then when we started, that put us, and then we got caught right in the middle of that internet thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and that's because uh, what was the what was the old one? What was the spot? What was the first one that was the in the two thousand music? Napster. Napster. Yeah, and it was Napster, and it was, and then it was piracy, and then everybody, then that cat got out of the bag, and everybody, people weren't all of a sudden. I mean, it went boom. The sales went way down real quick. So a band like us in '96 when we started. We put out that album in 97. We sold at Millennium Music in downtown Charleston. They sold more Blue Dogs records of that one record than any other artist in that whole store during that whole year. And I've got a letter that authenticates that. Mm -hmm. And that's Dave Matthews and everybody else. And it was because... That was partially it's because we we're from Charleston, but that was like almost like that's what the it used to be like. You could put out a record in your hometown or in your region, and you could sell fifteen or twenty thousand. Yeah, and we did that. And we did that in Charleston alone, and, and then and it just didn't translate somehow sales wise. And then all of a sudden, by ninety nine and two thousand, when ninety nine we put letters from Roundo out, we sold about fifteen or twenty thousand of that. But then Halos and Goodbyes came out in 2004 after the cat was out of the bag. And we scanned barely, you know, a couple of thousand the first year. 
So if you're an if you're an artist now, and I and I, I took the liberty of looking up Spotify, you guys had eighteen eighty three followers on Spotify today. I mean, like, what is the medium medium for you to launch music today? I mean, do you have to do it on your own website to make money? I mean, you can't really rely on relationships with some of the larger distributors, right? Uh, we do. There we do so have a distribution. Is, is, is we, a have, distribu- we have a distributor. Yeah. We have a distributor out of Chapel Hill that we started with <clears> years ago. And, We've got a fairly decent deal. They take a cut of it. I mean, we we just um, it's a um, it's a it's a game of it's a game of 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 uh, getting noticed in a world where there's just more and more and more and more and more music, yeah. and we haven't put out any new music in a long time. So that we got that going against us a little bit. We don't have any machine but yeah i mean it's essentially us and social but thanks to social media somebody like us who's not well known around the world can still put it out around the world yeah whereas in 1996 you couldn't really do that but well and now and now especially this year has been just all about you know the show you know i mean i mean people are still downloading music and they'll continue to do so but there are other income streams, you know, that, that we're trying to tap into, you know, on different platforms, you know. Um, you know, there's some platforms that basically take Zoom, you know, you take, you take Zoom and put yeah, it on like, like a live stream, stream. Like yeah. live stream, you know. So, so we're trying to, you know, entertain those options as well, you know. just It's, it's just different. It's, just, it's totally social, especially this year, social media driven just because the live shows have all but, you know, been canceled. But the payout from a Pandora or Spotify has got to be minuscule. Yeah. Uh, Spotify especially, it's, it's pretty, it's in the news a lot. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're not, yeah, there's some bad, some bad deals going, going on. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's a, it's a deep, it's a complex legal and you know what issue of how that works we're doing if your song's on spotify did they contact you to have you sign or are they how's this I don't no we did it we did it through the distributor so okay. in our case red eye distribution out of north carolina they have the relationships they add their artists and they do it through that and they they administer it and they take a cut of it and they send us a check nice. you know when it's yeah. It's not much. It's not much. Is it? If I and then the and then of course then of course the you know other streams. It's, it's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. You know, just, yeah. And then <laughs> I mean, there's literally there's, like the musical report. We don't. I mean, we get you know people play our music, but probably they play the majority of it because they've already downloaded it. And they're just yeah. Just you get paid, yeah. yeah. You get you get paid more when somebody goes to Spotify and looks you up <clears throat> to listen to you, as opposed to say when you go to one of these things. You know, it's like a mix that they make for you, and you just hear a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they pay less for that because it's yeah. not it's not intentional. So what? I literally have like checks from music reports that are like like five cents. Right, right. You get royalties as a writer. <laughs> you know, then you're supposed to get mechanical royalties. And... Well, I mean. No, I understand that part. I, I was just thinking, like, is it better to utilize the platform like a Pandora than it is to have your own website now where people just log in and 
you pay ten bucks a month for unlimited, you know, Bobby and Hank. I don't know. I mean, I'm just depends on. Yeah, well, we should be doing that. In fact, there's a lot of people doing this thing. Like Patreon is an, is a new thing that's kind of a platform. Somebody thought up where you know an artist can basically have members. So just like, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit. Um, it's just like if you go, if you get an app to, you know, it's like if you decide what, what what's ESPN worth to you to get scores and updates and news is it worth $5.99 a month is it worth 10 bucks a month and 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 so what patreon does is it we set up a blue dogs page and then you basically would have memberships like a like a good old-fashioned well, you know, I, fan club well i say this because i listen to i'll be honest i you know i like those services to some degree because they give me new music to hear that i haven't heard before so whatever the mix is the algorithm behind yeah the spotify mix yeah the oh, i think I mean, spotify it does beautiful it does it beautiful yeah but i look if you look up until recently garth brooks i like some of his songs you couldn't get him yeah but now he's on amazon yeah yeah i'm sure amazon has oh, yeah he, he refused i mean he's just one of those guys taylor swift refused Taylor Swift, but now she's on it. I mean, I'm sure they have a different formula than other artists out there, but I guess for a while, did you have to buy it on the Taylor Swift? I don't know. I didn't download any Taylor Swift albums. I should have, but... Um, yeah, I wonder about that, because if I was going to put my own music, I'd just be at joe.com. Like, click here, listen to me, and pay 12 cents. Right, exactly, exactly. We could, we could do that, and we should do that. We should provide all of our stuff on our site for people to do it, but they're going to, at this point, they're going to go to Spotify, pay nine, 10 bucks a month or whatever, and they can hear everything they want to hear. But what we can, what Patreon can do is we can put live shows, stuff that only we have live shows, maybe some demo versions of stuff, maybe new stuff that we throw out there, maybe interviews, podcasts, um, videos that we have from over the years. Well, my only thought is like, in, is that a new artist who you guys have a ton of talent and have 25 years of doing this and they're still having to figure out how to do it all and manage <laughs> jobs and careers and, yeah. and their family and everything else. Like a new artist that's got talent may never be able to make it because of the formula now is so paltry mm-hmm. relative to what you get paid to distribute your music. I mean, that's kind of my long-term. Yeah. And that, and I, it's great for me as an investor in Spotify. I can buy the stock. It's wonderful. But yeah. the amount of artists that can afford to <clears throat> eat nothing and produce yeah. is going to be pretty small you know, yeah it's it's a it's a crazy it's even crazier game yeah, it's the, like there's sounds so, getting better and younger yeah and there's, so, and there's so much out there but there's tons of better but they also don't make any they can't make enough money to pay for themselves but if they do right. but if they yeah. make it but if, if they can get enough in the, get on that social media yeah the song is good know. enough if the song is good enough they get some traction behind it then they they're still managers they're still you know there's still a booking business. There's still, you know, I mean, obviously during COVID, there's not, but when it gets back to normal, there'll still be live shows. There'll still be, you know, a number of ways that you can make a living doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's, we were a good example of kind of that. And uh, we made a living. We weren't getting rich, but <laughs> yeah. without a record deal, without a national presence, we had a national presence, but doing it on our own. We, we were played on radio stations all over the place. But we just, um, we couldn't afford to travel everywhere, but we were making it, you know, we, by doing what we were doing, we were, you know, we had salaries, we had health insurance, we had, 
we were able to get by. It wasn't, again, it wasn't, it wasn't going to, we weren't going to be investing with Warren Capital. But, <laughs> but, but. We got account paperwork in the corner. That's right. There you go. There you go. Um, so what's this way? I, I kind of get this feeling and just hanging out with you guys over the last few months is like there's a Blue Dogs 2.0 coming along. I mean, it feels like you guys are in a resurgence stage or a new focus. I just can tell that. Where is the next one, two, three, four, five years for you? You seem like you're going to start writing again. I mean, obviously, we're going to get through this COVID environment. Yeah. But, um, is there a, a new dedication to the new music, or where, where are you Yes. At? Yeah, better, we definitely, yeah better. We, we definitely are long overdue for a new project, you know. But yeah. um, we also have a couple that we haven't finished. You know, we have a Christmas record that we started years ago that's close to being finished, you know. We're going, work on, we're going to work on that. This, kids, we're working on that during the holidays. It'll be ready for the next holiday season. But we're we did we pulled those out of the uh, we we did tracks about fifteen years ago, and we just never completed them. So I pulled them out. I got a guy that I'm working with, and now we're going to start doing it. In oh, fact, yeah. Jerry Douglas is going to play Dober on it. Awesome. Told me this weekend. Awesome. Send me some tracks, man. Awesome. But um. We do have an old kids record that we did the same thing. We got up some tracks and we're gonna we're gonna put those together. But the real thing is, and Hank and I talked about it. We've got to do it now's the time to write new music. Uh, Philip Lamons, we've been talking to. I texted him yesterday, and uh, we've written a lot of songs with him over the years. He he mentioned you know getting together sometime in Caesar's Head, mm -hmm. meeting halfway between Nashville, Charleston, and. Trying to get it done. So, yeah, I hope I hope by February, March this year, we'll have some music. I hope. I yeah. hope. Do you guys, so and so, for. I was watching this uh, documentary on the band um, with Robbie Rock. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you and I talked about this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was an interesting story seeing how um, I consider them to be one of the one maybe one of the best bands ever. Yeah, I mean, they, were, oh, yeah. they were. Oh yeah, a lot of people. They were agree talented. Yeah, I mean, all of uh, unique and cool songs and all that. What I got from that documentary was that Robbie would get up and work the lyrics and do the work, and maybe the rest of the band may not help as much, and that he ended up taking the royalties from it and things like that. Like, yeah, and it maybe put a rift between that band, and they eventually, you know, went sideways. Like, yeah, y'all been doing this thirty years now. I mean, yeah. what's the secret? to keep in a good relationship and when you become semi-celebrities, we are celebrities. Yeah. But I mean, how do Not you really, but we do play one on TV. Is it, yeah. yeah. But I mean, let's be fair. Almost every band semi-breaks up at some point. I mean, yeah. They go different yeah. ways and personalities and, yeah. you know, I had a tough time just getting two guitars in the same room, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> There's a lot of bravado. I think there's a lot to be said for our early friendship. Mm -hmm. You know that we we'd kind of been friends, and um, I think if we hadn't have done the Blue Dogs, I think we'd still be friends. We'd still be picking and playing. You know, got we got a lot of mutual friends that we still have from home, and yeah, it's it, it it's important enough. I think for both of us that we folk that, that we have to do this. You know, yeah, it's like there's a point that this is what we are we're we've always been musicians and singers and artists yeah. and what if we don't yeah. do this we will die right we will die <laughs> yeah. right. but, but, but you know it's true there's also a, lo a level of commitment though and I, I think this is maybe what you're 
getting at or mm-hmm. what I think about is there's with a lot of bands it's kind of like shoes ain't happening I'm out you know and we had a lot of that yeah I, I'm done I'm done I can't I got my wife I got my kids I'm gonna just, you know I'm done and then some of those people came back and yeah. just about in fact everybody I'd like to say that everybody that we've ever split up with has drifted back in one form or the other through the Charleston Music Hall show or we've invited them to play you know yeah, yeah, guests yeah. or shows here and there but Hank and I have always had this sense of commitment that's probably unusual and um, rare, probably rare. I mean, in some cases, people might think it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's a business <laughs> like, Why y'all put up with each other so long? Well, it's an, I mean, look, I have a few, you know, people over to play music here once a week or so. And we have a good yeah. time. And then you're like, the next yeah. day, you don't really want to do anything. You know, this is an entertainment business that has affiliation of, you know, a good time. Yeah. Not to mention all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the worst thing. But, <laughs> but I can see as a 25 year old, that's hard to handle. And especially you got yeah. a, a bunch of cash in your pocket, and then you're like, I don't need to write this. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I always wondered because I spent so much time in Nashville is. I will, I will, I will add on top of that, we have, yeah. both have very loving families that yeah. support us. Yeah. That yeah. supported us through all the years. I mean, that's. That's probably, you know, that's that big, big chunk yeah. of, of, of how and why. We're like our original families and yeah. our married families. So yeah. They, they all, everybody's always supported that. That's a big deal. That is yeah. a big deal. And then I think also just having fun. But back to the fun thing, we've always had fun. That is definitely true. It's fun to play. And I, I think that even in the hardest times when we were, when we were roughing it and like it was tough. And you know, times were tough and all that. We'd still have fun. Yeah. And we might have arguments and be pissed off at each other and that kind of. But we would still have fun. Do y'all get? I think of some of the artists that are pretty popular on you know around the world. I don't. I think very few of their songs are self-written anymore. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it seems like you guys write pretty much all your own music. Yeah, I mean, we've used other people's stuff some, but we've, but like Philip, and Philip was a part of the band, and we've certainly recorded with him, written songs with him, and, and done that. Um, but yeah, I mean, on our, on our three, we got three original records, and we do the lion's share of it. Yeah. But there's still, there's still a song or two here, one from a guy in Nashville, another one that Philip wrote with a guy in Nashville. I mean, you know, there's a few here and there, but. We, we definitely, we tried to go to Nashville and do that, by the way. After Letters from Roundo, and we took a little, we didn't take, we didn't stop playing, but we took a rest of like, let's get off the, let's get off the merry-go-round for a minute. And, and we decided when we got back on it that we were going to go to Nashville and just do whatever you do when you go to Nashville. You know, like, yeah. here we are, do with us what you will. <laughs> and um, and we met. Sure enough, met some people that thought, "Man, you're a great band. You got a great sound. Here, listen to these songs and record them." Yeah, yeah. So we were like, "All right, we'll give it a shot." And we listened to. I've still found I found those CDs. We, uh, you know, they give us they give you a CD with thirty songs on it, and and you maybe find one or two that you felt like could work. Yeah. One or two of thirty, and then you get another CD, and you and then we go. All right, well, we'll 
you know, we'll try three or four of these and just some of them that you just are just either so hokey or, or cheesy that you just, but you still like, all right, what's it going to take? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the only songs that really survived that was Make Your Mama Proud. Okay. So that's not one that we wrote, um, but it, we know the guy that wrote it. And he was, he was one of the guys who was in the publishing company and he was an older guy. And uh, and he was a great guy, and so it was, and it was easy to, and we kind of made it our own, and that was a cool experience. But um, it's definitely, I mean, I think that our our own songs, I think that's your own stuff. I think that's what people want to hear. They want to hear that. I mean, I think that's where we're going to have to dig deep over these next few months to get to really put out something good and something that's real. And yeah. something that comes from the heart. You know? Fresh. No, that's, I'm sure it's going to be a whole lot of, I mean, that takes some time and some uh, some uh, effort to be able to sit down and do all those things. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think back to, what was that live at Doxy Theater? What, what year was that? That was 95. Yeah. yeah. That was the third, that our third was recording. That yeah. was my sophomore year of college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, to be fair with you guys, like I listened to that album and y'all's version of Rain King, uh, yeah. and I was up in DC and I had all the people in DC. So having you guys here, you know, several years later, um, yeah. you know, to, to, to go through this is inspirational for me. Um, and one of the things, the capital view of what we do here is we try to, you know, dissect personal and human and international cap, international capital and all the things we can to be able to overcome the things that you want, be able to do what you want to do and overcome the challenges to be able to produce or record or manage money or play golf or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I enjoy the fact that you guys are able to provide a platform to say, hey, if you're a musician in the Cub Scouts and and you want to play bass, then you can play bass and do it. Go do it. Manage all this. Get out there. I think that uh, people need inspiration. You know, so you guys, I want to congratulate you on what you've done. It's great becoming friends with you guys and getting to know the trials and tribulations of music. And I'm kind of looking forward to uh, 2.0. Really. Yeah. So, well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us on this thing. And it, it is, it's easy to, it's, sometimes we spend so much time looking back and, you know, what went wrong or what, you know, what could we have done differently and all that stuff. And it is kind of, I kind of feel like it is kind of time to like, okay. That's, that's good. We've documented it well, but it's time to do something yeah. else. So. Yeah, I just want to see somewhere in the front row. All right, all right, you got it. <laughs>